This Icon Podcast is hosted and sponsored by Sphere Rocket Virtual Assistants, a leading provider for your virtual assistants and outsourcing needs. Owned by one of the top-ranking EXP agents, Justin Nelson. Sphere Rocket VA provides a one-stop virtual staffing solution for business owners, and we specialize in helping business owners grow their business by leveraging through virtual assistants. Trusted by the top names in the real estate industry like Kyle Whistle, Andrew Franklin, John Kitchens, and many more. Get ready to up your success and we'll help you achieve your business goals. Book your free consultation at SpearRocketVA.com and find out how we can make your life easier. Welcome back to another episode of the Icon Podcast. I am your host, Gianna. Today, we've got the opportunity talking to Chris Bowers. Welcome to the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And, uh, you know, he's no rookie at this. You've got your own podcast, Chris? I do. Yep. Agent Excel. Okay. Awesome. What do you talk about on there? You know what? I interview agents, um, all kinds of agents. I interview agents. I interview vendors that might be beneficial to like investors or the transaction or marketing. Um, But yeah, it's really fun bringing on uh, realtors and just hearing about their journeys and how they got to where they're going. You know, I've been doing it for 17 years now, so sometimes feels like a lonely road, but you talk to other people and you're like, Oh, there's a bunch of us other crazies out there that have started this and (laughs) tried to navigate our way in this world. Other crazies. That's right. Well, Chris, that's a little snippet of your background. You've been here. You've been here. You've been doing it for 17 years. So, um, you know, how did this all begin? What market are you in? How'd you grow up to be a real estate agent? Yeah. So I'm in the Phoenix, Arizona market and, um, I started real estate 17 years ago. I was 22 years old when I got into the business. Um, I was never really interested in like school. Um, So when I got out of high school, it was a a terrible uh, in school. And I asked my mother, what could I do to make a decent amount of money? And this is odd, but this was the truth. And she said, you should go do real estate or be a, a UPS driver. I don't know how any of those like, I don't know, even know how those go together, except for at the time, maybe a lot of driving when you first start out. And I knew I, mean, I couldn't. I think be- I've, I've heard that UPS has like a really nice bonus structure and like healthcare benefits, I think. So like it is a good company to work for, but the uh, pay grades and the work style is certainly different. Certainly right. different. So that's what she, those were my two options that she said to go do. And I couldn't be a UPS driver just with my driving record at the time, uh, nor would have I probably looked into it. So I went to real estate school um did that i actually it took me six times to pass pass the like national mm-hmm. test so took me forever um <laughs> and got into the business and i was doing construction at the time so from like four in the morning until like 10 11 a.m mm-hmm. i would roof houses um and then i would get done with construction put on some nicer clothes go into my real estate office and try to see what i could accomplish Okay. Awesome. Well, that's pretty cool, Chris. Um, you know, and then when did you finally shift to, to full-time agent? That was probably around the eight month mark. So for probably eight months, I was doing construction in the morning that I would go sell real estate. But I, the interesting part is, is I believe my construction job was paying me about $19,000, $20,000 a year. Um, this was 17 years ago, but and then it, it took me about eight months, I believe, to find my first deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took me about, and then my first year I closed, I believe six. And so it was after about the first or second transaction that I realized that I had made in two transactions, what I'd made working my whole year in construction. Mm-hmm. And that's when I actually had enough capital to say like, I don't 
need the construction job anymore. Yeah. Um, so it was probably about the anywhere between month six and eight. I don't quite remember, but that's when I made the transition to full-time real estate and, you know, closed, I believe six, my first year. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, Chris, obviously then EXP wasn't your first brokerage. So how was it introduced to you and why did you, um, make the switch? What did that transition look like to you? Meaning, so, so what was that again? So, that you know, uh, EXP was not your first brokerage, right? So it how wasn't. did you, uh, how were you introduced to EXP? Why did you switch to EXP? Um, and how did that transition go? Obviously okay. you have to break up with a broker. Yeah. And, and I, so I've broken up with, question. yeah, I've broken up with quite a few brokers. So I think, um, EXP is probably my seventh uh, brokerage, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, and so I got familiar with the process and I realized that at the end of the day, it was just, it, it was, 17 years ago is interesting because I remember the brokerages you used to go to like, like you almost felt like you had a job at that time. At least mm -hmm. I did. It was go to, you had to go to these meetings with the office and there was all this like corporate structure still within real estate. And then as times went on, it changed. But um, this, this go around, I changed and I was with a brokerage HomeSmart and they're a pretty big brokerage and super low fee brokerage. And I was there for probably about seven years. And I switched because my buddy Dave Z he was with EXP and he knew I was not only a realtor, but he knew I was an investor at heart. Mm -hmm. um, so I own quite a bit of real estate as far as investing and rent those out. And he, he told me one day, he said, are you renting your, you, you understand rent and own. So are you renting your brokerage or do you own your brokerage? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I don't own nothing at my brokerage. And that's when he said, Hey, I think you need to look in, into this different. Like you understand investing, and so I think if you looked at this, like you're, you're going to sell homes the same exact way that you've always been selling homes, nothing changes there. And you're going to have ownership in the company by how their structure works. And, you know, that still took me some time to ponder probably about eight months of him introducing it to me. Um, and then that's finally when I made the switch, but the switch actually happened. And, and I'm so thankful for how like the EXP model works because you know, when people look at EXP, they can look at it a lot of times as far as a, they start seeing the, um, like the, the revenue share, right? Mm -hmm. And I always tell people when I show them EXP, I'm like, hey, when you see the revenue share side of this, if you don't ever want to recruit an agent, don't recruit an agent. Right. That section is for you to realize that that's why I have benefit to recruit an agent. Mm -hmm. So I try to spend that on people when I'm showing them a portion, because some will look at it and be like, I don't want to, I don't ever want to recruit an agent. I don't. I don't need revenue share. I'm like, I know, but you need my knowledge. Yes. You need my knowledge. And that's what makes this whole entire thing tick. So that's how you're going to go sell, you know, from 30 homes to 150 homes. But to answer your question very specifically, um, I made the switch to EXP about nine months ago. And I made that change because of a few people that I was running around with that I thought could take me from 150 transactions a year to possibly 250. So it was all very... Um, it was always, it was, it was very self-focused. I was, mm -hmm. I want to go close a hundred more deals a year. And I didn't quite know how, and running with this crew, I realized that they would give me that information that no one else was giving me. And now I realize no one really needs to give that to me unless they're in a structure possibly like EXP. Right. And so, you know, you, you've mentioned a lot of great things about EXP, you know, rev share, stock options. Um, you can build a team and make money off that. And then of course you've got your commission. So there's four potential streams of income there. And so now that you're over at EXP, what are some things that you really enjoy about it? Maybe didn't expect about it, or um, I guess what keeps you here? 
Yeah. Feel so free to answer any of those questions. <laughs> yeah. So when I was shown EXP, and I think this is something that now I'm even discovering showing other people is I had not one interest in stock. Mm-hmm. Meaning when, when I joined over the, the, when I was, when I was showed EXP, it was, Hey, Chris, you're an investor at heart. You could come over here. And I was thinking of, I just want to sell more real estate to make more money so I can go invest. So what I realized now that I didn't realize when I joined over was kind of the, oh yeah, you do get stock, right? And then now I'm looking at them like, oh, this rev share, these checks are kind of cool. Um, and they just keep getting bigger. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really doing anything different. Uh, my natural tendencies have always been just teach agents. It's just kind of been like what I've thought is just like give back to the real estate community. Um, so I don't feel like I'm doing anything different. But now that I'm at AXP, the one thing that I didn't realize was, oh, cool, the stock does come and the rev checks do come. And that was never my intentions really with coming over to EXP. I truly just wanted to go from selling 147 homes a year to 250. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so cool. I'm like, okay, now now that I'm here and I'm hanging around with people who are teaching me you know, what I need to know to get to that level, um, like I'm actually closing more transactions and still getting those you know, the, the stock, the rev share and things like that. So what keeps me here now is, you know, I think when you have owner, I mean, it's a, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, when you have ownership in a company, the question would be with like, why would you leave? Right. I mean, there would be no interest in leaving something when you have ownership in it. So I think they have it built pretty well for not only come over and grow, but then come over. And then why would you ever really want to look elsewhere? Right. Um, you know, what's, what better way to practice employee retention than to give them a piece of the pie. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, Chris, um, you know, we, we've talked about your story, getting over to EXP, why you stay. Let's talk about you a little bit. Um, okay. Before we hopped on this podcast, I told you, you know, I was a little disappointed that today was Thursday instead of Friday. And you're like, hey, my days run together. You know, some days I take a Tuesday off so I can work Saturday. Um, if you even get a day off that week, I know the world of real estate is crazy. So um, tell me about your work-life balance. How do you manage it all, production and then friends and taking care of yourself, making sure you're recharged for clients? Where's that line and boundary between work and play? What what does that look like for you? Yeah, so work-life balance actually over the last year has gotten so much better. And I have to say that if, if, if I could give somebody some tips on work-life balance, it would be, it sounds cliche, but it would be leverage. Um and but leveraging things the right way. So when I came over, when I came over to EXP, my buddy Dave, um, he shared with me the showing partner model. And so like I pay an agent salary to show homes for me. And I realized like because I get a lot of referrals. I get I got probably ninety five referrals last year from my past clients. So mm-hmm. fairly easier business that comes my way. And I realized the hardest thing about selling real estate was the showing of homes. Like that actually is the hardest thing because you're you feel like you're on call and we went through a market where you did feel like you were on call a house would hit the market you had to run to it that night Mm -hmm. and so i've structured now my company to where when i get a buyer i have a showing partner and he's salaried on my staff and he's a realtor and he shows homes for me so when a buyer comes in and we do a consultation i let him know hey i'm your realtor this is going to be the person who gets you into homes. When you want to go look at homes, you text this, you know, you group text. I see everything. They line it all up. I've really found my balance over the last year through that because I realized there was showing homes was time consuming, 
right? They're actually physically showing the homes was time consuming. It landed in the hours that I necessarily didn't want to always work. Yeah. And then it was prepping the homes during the day and trying to like coordinate with realtors and homeowners. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got rid of. And I said, Hey, to this person, I'll give you a salary and you do that job for me. And this person loves that job because they got into real estate for that whole HDTV. I want to go look at homes. That's what yeah. most people get into real estate for. And then they're like, Oh shoot, I actually have to like, I have to pull out seven, 10, a hundred people in my network that trust me to buy a house. That's different than showing homes. So I found somebody who wanted that whole, I like to show homes life, but doesn't mm-hmm. want to go actually um, build a business. And so when you ask me like, how is my work life um, balance? That's it. So there's now I'm able to travel more than I've ever traveled, but yet I'm still working. And I found that I can be in any state right now. And I am a lot of times in another state and I'm still transacting buyer transactions, still the person on the transaction on the contract and just eliminated that whole boots on the ground, having to be actually in Phoenix to show the houses. Um, But that's probably my biggest thing that I could say to help with people that's how I manage my work-life balance. Like when I wrote down a list of all the things that uh, keep me from planning vacations and enjoying Saturdays and Sundays and Thursday nights, it was just like, it was one thing. It was showing homes. Yeah. So built a strategy around that through the help of Dave, who gave me all of his systems. And like I said, kind of leads back to EXP. He probably had no interest in giving me that playbook unless I was, you know, he's my sponsor. And it's what enticed me to actually come over so I could learn more of those trick tips. Cause I, I've learned that these agents that are closing more and more transactions are always the ones that aren't the busiest. Mm-hmm. And then you run into the agents that are closing, you know, 15, 20, they're just running around like crazy closing 20. And then you've got these other people closing three and 400. And they're the ones I'm like, why are you guys always at the beach on vacation at home? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to it. So that leverage hopefully that answered your question yeah chris that definitely did and it kind of uh answered part of my next question too as to you know somebody that's looking to get to your level of production what do you recommend they take off their plate first like obviously you have showing agents you you found what was best for your model um but you know should they hire a showing agent should they be looking at virtual assistants should they be looking at real life assistants and what are some of those first tasks to take off their plate to kind of get them used to relinquishing control right because that's hard mm-hmm. yeah i think there's two ways to look at this there's the there's the straight ceo what should i take off my plate i think that's one thing mm-hmm. and then i think there's a there's there's personalities involved and i think that's another thing so like when i'm when i'm thinking of what should i leverage next I sometimes look at it and say like, from the business standpoint, this is probably what I should leverage next. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like personality. So I don't like to just tell people like, hey, this is exactly how you should leverage your business. Because there's a lot of books and classes that you can go to that say, this is exactly how you got to get to the next level. This is exactly how you got to get to the next level. And I found that some of us aren't really, some of us are introverted. Some of us are extroverted, right? right? And so I think that that's also what you need to factor in when you're doing this whole leveraging. Some people like legitimately like looking at a spreadsheet like myself. And so, you know, passing off maybe the transaction might not be the first thing, mm-hmm. you know, the person who loves like literally gets all their energy every day by being around people and showing them homes. Maybe you should leverage the paperwork and go still show the houses. So I think first I want to start with what's your personality? Like, should you leverage maybe office out first or should you leverage the people side of the business first? 
Uh, but I think if I just had to answer this a blanket statement without knowing the person that I was talk talking to or coaching, probably like the paperwork side of it, like the administration would probably be the go-to just because it's the lowest dollar paid per transaction. And probably the one thing that the industry has figured out as far as a leverage standpoint, meaning like there's so many companies like yourself that, you know, you could hire VAs to do checklist. You know, I mean, when you put a deal under contract, everything that has, to, I always say like from contract to closed brokerage. So from contract to close, I look at it two ways, client and brokerage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like the brokerage side, leverage that thing out. Like yeah. Anything my brokerage needs, title company needs, lender needs, leverage out. Now the client side of it, of talking to a client through the contract to close, you know, that's a different story. Now, can you leverage that out? Sure. Not as easy through just hiring maybe a VA, but um, so I would say probably passing off the transaction and there's so many companies that you could just play like pay like a flat fee mm -hmm. and they'll just be like, Hey, like you do this portion of the transaction. And that's where I would start. And I think what happens is you start realizing that you're only leveraging for two reasons. You're leveraging to go do a more dollar productive activity during that time, or you're doing what we'd call like, um, like a, a, like a luxury leverage. So there's times where I'm like, hey, I'm leveraging that out because I can pay $13 an hour, $15 an hour to do it. And I can go do an $80, $100 hour task. And there's times where I'm leveraging out stuff and I'm like, that's a luxury leverage. I'm paying someone to do it and I'm not doing anything during this time. Like this is for me to have my life back. Um, and I think it's just deciding which leverage you're hiring. But administrative probably first. Once you get a taste of that and you realize, whoa, like I'm actually closing more transactions or not closing more transactions, you might be making less money and enjoying your life more. That's cool too. And then you can decide which one's next. And I'm not opposed to anymore. And I say this lightly, but I want to challenge people that, you know, you can, you can pay for leverage and maybe sometimes it always doesn't make you more money. There can be a time in your life where it's just like, Hey, this is what I've got to do to get a transaction closed. And I don't necessarily like doing all of it. And I don't want more of it. So I'm just going to pay people to stay in this level of production. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'll take this. And there's trade-offs that we all make. And I don't think everyone's at stages of their life where, like, I always, I used to look and think everybody always wants to get to the next level of production. And I think there's some peace with someone saying like, hey, I'm actually good here. My life is good. I don't want more. And I think that person just leveraging off things and they're looking at it from a different angle of how do I just get my time back? Not how do I close more transactions? Absolutely. No, that's that's incredible advice. And, um, you know, if you're looking to up your production, you've got to make hires, you've got to leverage out and you you have to spend money to make money. And that's just um, at the end of the day, that's it. That's that's the key to you know, that, that route to higher production and scaling up your business. And Chris, let's talk about your production now. Let's talk all things icon award, icon agent, because you're on the icon podcast. So your production in your area, what does that average housing price look like? And about how many homes do you need to sell to be able to cap? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I know. I mean, I know it's I close. Most icons uh, are like, I just put my nose to the grindstone and sell homes. And then I get the email like, oh, you can't. So um, I, I actually had an, I had an agent that I was talking to. I mean, I've been with eXp for eight months, right? So it was mm -hmm. not that long ago. I had an agent, a uh, different company we're talking to about eXp. And he's like, oh, well, you're an icon. And I actually texted him back and said, what's an icon? He said, you're <laughs> kidding me, right? And I was like, 
No, and he actually sent me over what an icon was. So I have to say, I don't know all the terms. Like I just, mm-hmm. I sell houses and if they send me stock and rev checks and things like that. I'm cool. Uh, but so last year I closed 147 transactions. This year, I think we're almost, I think it was at 98 when I looked last mm-hmm. um, for this year. And so the average price point in our area is probably around like 480. That's what I would guess. I actually didn't look at those stats. So somebody in Arizona is going to challenge me on that. That's what I would guess right now without looking mm-hmm. at the data. Um, so yeah, 147 transactions last year, almost at 100 this year, and average price point roughly around 500. Okay, awesome. And then my next question is going to be, Chris, um, you know, if you just you just found out you're an icon, well, not just, but, you know, um, maybe you didn't didn't know about the cultural commitment yet, or you've already jumped on that. So with the cultural commitment, you've got to step back from production, give back to EXP, mm-hmm. whether that's coaching, teaching, mentoring, uh, being on an icon panel, vetting other icons. So um, what do you plan on using as your cultural commitment and why? Yeah. So I filled out that paperwork actually just, a, I think a few days ago, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do teaching. It's just naturally okay. what I like to do. Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is I'm very introverted. So I only like to talk about things that I really feel good at or comp- I should say confident in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird that I picked the teaching because if you said go stand in front of people, I'd be like, oh, it doesn't sound fun. But <laughs> I feel like I'm in charge of the room or I know what I'm talking about. I like mm-hmm. to do it. So I naturally pick the, the teaching. So I'm going to teach a class. Um, I already teach a class here in our market about every three weeks. I bring agents in. It's called Build Your Network, Build Your Net Worth. Awesome. And so it's just a, it's, it's a, I say it's a simple class, but it's a simple framework on how people can get referrals. Like I get, like I said, I haven't picked up the phone in 17 years. I've probably called my clientele one time ever. Um, now that don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I don't, when I'm in a transaction with a client, I pick up the phone and talk about the transaction, obviously, but like mm-hmm. from that seven years that they go from buying a house to selling a house again with me, there's never a phone call made. Are there texts made systematically throughout the year asking them how they're doing? Sure. Are there, there, are there marketing going on? Yes. Uh, but I'm not the guy who's going to get on the phone with people and, hey, you know, do you know anybody buying or selling any real estate? Never been my style. Probably will never be my style. So to answer your question, though, um, teaching the class, build your network, build your net worth. And it's just telling people, hey, if you do these simple systems with your network, it's how to build a network, mm-hmm. how to get people into your database how to market to them in a way that doesn't make you feel salesy and how I've been able to pull off enough business to live my life. And then the, that's the build your network. The build your net worth portion is letting them know that you can actually make enough money off of this gig to then go build your net worth. And then I tell them, you know, I show them how you can, you know, reinvest your money into real estate. Uh, my wife and I now, thankfully we have enough money coming in passively off our rentals to kind of live our life. And so I want them to know that that, that was all given to us from our network. You know, our, our the service that we provide to people is real estate. But really what we did is we have a network. They trust us. They actually probably would trust me whether I had a roofing company, a landscaping company, a swimming pool company. And yeah. they trust us. Our service is this. This is how we market to them in a cool way. And then it's this is how you can reinvest your, your monies out of your business and go grow a life that you can be financially free. So that's yeah, what that, I'm going to be teaching key. for my award or icon. Yeah. That key aspect of, you know, having people know, like, and trust you. So I really like that. And, uh, 
you know, maybe I can drop into that, that class in EXP world. Um, so that would, that would be cool, Chris. And if you ever want to come do a spinoff episode, like right before you jump onto those teachings that maybe you want to tease or go into a little more detail that they could come to your class to, to dive in on and ask you questions, you're always welcomed back. And um, so that's an awesome cultural commitment. And it's interesting that you're an introvert in the world of real estate, uh, which is a, which is a people centric you know, industry, but that means, you know, it's, it's an industry where if you want to work hard enough, it's, it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, so Chris, my next question is going to be, you get a lot of benefits being an icon agent, get that cap back in stock opportunity to go to eXp con or shareholders, um, or, and shareholders. And then, um, you know, you get a great reputation, easy to catch referrals and you may have not received it yet, but you also get a big glass, shiny trophy. So I got it. Yes, you did I did. Get it. Okay, I got perfect. it actually recently. So yep. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of icon agents, and they're like, "Jonah, I haven't even gotten my trophy yet." And I was like, "Oh, well, it's coming. I promise." Um, so you know, what is your favorite aspect of being an icon agent? Why are you going to continue to set that on a list of standards for yourself year after year? You know, the icon agent to me is just. I think how how you receive it through EXP is just who I am. Meaning like mm -hmm. I, I would go to any company right now and my production would be at icon staff. So I don't think there's anything that, you know, like I don't think I see the icon award and say like, I've got to be, I've got to get that. I naturally am wired to just do the production that coincides with getting that. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I just like closing real estate transactions because I'm good at it and, and, I say this lightly, but I say it seriously. I like to sell real estate because I, I'm good at it, but I also, it's very, it can be very selfish. Like I like making the income and I well, like, yeah. I like living below my means so that I can invest it into things that I can ultimately mm -hmm. get out of real estate. So um, yeah, just what makes me want to keep getting the icon award. Um, I, I like to buy things. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that you have to, produce and work hard, play hard. Right. Uh-huh. So I actually like on the, on a, I was coming back from Tennessee the other day and I have a note on my phone and it, like I, the title of it says print money. And so I just wrote down all the things that I need to do differently mm -hmm. to make more money in real estate. Cause I look at real estate. I say like, I walk into my office and say like, like we, we have a printing money business. Like it's a, it's a, it's a currency here. Like we produce an income and so that's how I look at this whole entire operation is like, what, what do we have to do to print more money? And we have to give more value to the real estate world as far as our clients. And we have to get them to come to us over the 61,000 other realtors and transact with us. And when they mm -hmm. transact with us, then we print money. So yeah, do we have to have a lot of, do we have to offer a lot of service, customer service and marketing to get to the printing of money? Sure. But yeah, so Kind of my no, that's awesome. I, I like that perspective. Where were you at in Tennessee? Franklin. I'm there looking for a, a vacation house. Okay, awesome. I live in Nashville, so I know exactly oh. where um, Franklin is. It's it's a gorgeous area. I just did um, a YouTube episode about the neighborhoods out there. So, oh, really? Um, definitely recommend Franklin or Brentwood area. It's, it's yeah, we actually there. we flew in because my wife wants to live in Brentwood. And while mm -hmm. we were in Brentwood, our realtor told us to look in Franklin. So we traveled over there and we thought, oh, we might actually like this better. Yeah. Um, so we're in the middle of 
doing some stuff right now. Yeah, not to get all um, real estate agent-y on you, but Mount Juliet too. It's okay. uh, it's called the city between two lakes. Okay. And so you can have like a little um, kind of like lake house feel out there. Anyway, um, like like Dolly Parton has a house out there. Taylor Swift has a house out there. So like there's uh, obviously they've got multiple houses, sure. but it's, it's a really pretty city too. If you're looking, um, you know, to be near water as well, but all of it is very central. That's what I love about Tennessee is it's all kind of, within like 15 minutes at the heart of the city, yeah. uh, which is really cool. So anyway, if you guys move out here and let me know, I'd love to uh, hang out and take y'all to dinner. But cool. um, moving on from that, uh, Chris, if somebody is looking to come over to eXp and maybe they're a rookie, maybe they're already doing the production it takes to be an icon agent at another brokerage, but they're moving over to eXp, they're thinking, man, that icon award looks amazing. Is that possible for me to achieve in my first year? What are some goals I need to set out for that or major mistakes to avoid? So like if somebody was coming from another brokerage, how would they get the icon award? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think okay, first, yeah. I mean, it's, it, and I, it's not super difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. you just have to sell real estate. So I think like it's, it's people can see these awards and think, Oh, I want that. And I'm like, you just have to figure out how to break down goals. It's just how many transactions do I have to get there? And what's even cooler is, divide that out by like 12. Like I did this for somebody the other day. They were, they told me their goals. I was at a Starbucks and they told me their goals. I said, they made it sound so like, how do I get that? Yeah. And I said, let's divide it by 12. And I did that for her. And she's like, oh, and I said, let's divide that by four. And then I said, let's divide that by seven. I mean, we got down to like, she had to close like 0.11 homes a day. <laughs> and I'm letting her know. I was like, what you just said sounds so big in your head. <laughs> But when you yeah. divide it by 12 and then you divide it by four, you realize like, now what are these like daily actions you think you would have to do to close 0.1 homes a day? Sure. And you were just trying to get her to realize like, it's just getting up and actually like, actually you just got to go do an activity. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody was coming over and they wanted to reach the icon award, it's, it's just selling a, a minimum amount of houses. I think there's a lot of agents are already at companies where they would be reaching it. That's, probably what I would challenge the most people is I, I just saw a post yesterday of somebody that I've been talking to about EXP who's with another company and she posted uh, her plaque uh, that she received. And I, I, I had a note cause I just got my plaque. Right. And I had a note on my phone cause I was going to post on social media that day. And just, it said basically like, you know, I got this cool paperweight today, mm -hmm. but that's, that this is just the symbolic thing I got. Like the the heavy paperweight, the fancy paperweight, is just the symbolic thing. Right. Really what I got was, and then I wrote down all the things that I got with that symbolic award. And it was my stock and here's the rev share and this. A and monetary that. paperweight. There you go. So like, I, but I was trying to like, that's what I'm posting it actually today. I didn't want to do it mm -hmm. yesterday because I felt like I was throwing dirt on this person's post. And <laughs> yet not what I was doing. I, I respect was, that. But there was no like, they wouldn't even think of it that way. But in my head, I was like, I can't post this today. They just posted this one. And I've actually been talking to them about the same subject. So I was like, no, I can't do this right now. But I don't want um, to steal their light. Yeah, but I think a lot of agents would be an icon agent if they just looked at the numbers. So now I would say if you're already if you're already at that production status in your company, mm -hmm. then really look at this like truly and say, if I just moved over here and I did the same production what do I get now besides the the fancy paperweight? I actually get this now and this can change my financial future for my family. And also for those agents that might be with another company that are looking at EXP, I hear this all the time is 
I can't move because my brokerage is family or my brokerages are, they're my, they're my friends. Yeah. And I have had to try to come to terms with that because I look at these people and I say, wait, what do you tell me this again? Like, do you not have family and do you not have friends? And then my next question is, is if you moved companies because it financially benefited your future, would they still be your friends and would they still feel like your family? And I've had a few of them now tell me, I don't know. And I said, that would scare me more about that crew is if you move, like if you told somebody that you wanted to make a business decision that would change your financial future and your life's future. And these people that you just said were your family and your friends were mad at that. I would challenge you more that they might just be a cultural family and friends at work to make you feel loved while you're there. But if they don't, if you want to leave somewhere to better your life and someone still doesn't love you, really question that to the core toxic and and i've i've actually talking to a lot of exp agents they said our other agents that want to come over like they genuinely want to come over and they'll say uh I, i'm loyal i'm loyal to my company mm-hmm. or they're my family or they're my friends and i said i have family i have friends and i'm loyal therefore mm-hmm. we don't equate those things to the same thing because i have all those same infrastructures and um but yeah, so then I'm like, hey, do we just have a lot of excuses here? Or is this truth? And it's truth. So once again, to answer your question, if somebody was wanting to come over, there's so many agents out there right now that are icons at their company. Park at another company. Take the actual benefits now that you can get in stock and things like that while you're still just doing what you were doing day to day. And if you're at another company and thinking of switching and you're, you, you aren't at that production level, it's probably why you need to be at EXP because you're missing mm-hmm. something that you can't get to that production. And that's really the cool secret sauce to EXP is what I'm finding at a lot of other brokerages is they, they go into, they have training for agents and there's agents in that room that are doing 150 deals and agents that have did zero. Mm-hmm. You cannot teach a training to 50 people and the production levels from zero to 150. You either have bored the person doing 150 or you've overwhelmed the person zero and nobody learned anything. You've got to figure out how to get into masterminds or find somebody that can get you to that next level because the person closing 10 can help the person closing zero. Right. But you know, the person who's closing 220 and the person who's closing five, those people are so distant in what they remember. You know, like it's hard for me to go teach someone like zero to two, but that 40 to 80 is like my secret zone or my, that that's my zone. So that's what I would say about switching over. Awesome. No, that's, that's great advice, Chris. And, um, you know, as far as, as switching over to EXP, you know, when you first heard of the brokerage, were you ever skeptical of it? Kind of a too good to be true, waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's a pyramid scheme kind of way. You don't know the, the pyramid scheme questions never even crossed my mind. I actually like network marketing and my brain makes the most logical sense. I would mm-hmm. think as I'm 38, so I'm at the cusp of like the oldest millennial you can be. Yeah. Um, but network marketing to me almost means influencer to me now in the mm-hmm. new world. So it's interesting how like influencer has become such a catchy term now, right? That everyone loves and they, they, they see it on Instagram. They even know like, oh, this person's an influencer and I'm right. buying their stuff and here's a promo code. But yet you get that maybe older generation, like that would have been network marketing to them. And I'm like, this is really all the same thing as somebody who's saying like, hey, go out there and share something that you like and I'm going to give you a piece of it. Like as the cor- corporate, we can go pay a ton in marketing 
and we can do the same thing, or we can just split it between the people out there that are influencing and talking great about us and contributing back to the community. Um, so the whole, like I've heard it before, like a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found that those people don't under, they don't understand business in any way. Like they've just used this coin term that said pyramid scheme or network marketing or whatever. And I'm like, I've like, I, I've learned where their business IQ is right there by that statement. Now, I'm not saying I'm mad at them or I don't talk to them or like it just in my head. I'm like, okay, like you, you're not even a business owner. Like, mm-hmm. like you're not a business owner at all. Um, but no, I don't get, I never had any of that kind of stuff. My biggest thing was trying to time things out. It was, and I remember even talking to my sponsor and I had do about three months before I'd moved over. And I had told him straight up like, Hey, I'm moving over and now I just got to figure out the timing. So now I have some people that I'm talking to that are in that same situation. And I try to really relate to them. It's kind of like our clients when they're, you know, we're talking to them about this move and we, we might not be moving as realtors right now. So we kind of lose touch with like, oh, you're just packing your bags and moving. But like once you actually start trying to buy a house or move and you're actually the consumer again, you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually very challenging. Yeah. I try to go back to that when I'm talking to people and, um, you know, is my biggest thing was how do I make the transition with a lot of production? I kind of joke with some agents that I have that want to join EXP and they're closing like nine deals a year. And they're like, I know, but I, I have this one pending coming up, and, but I really want to move. And I was like, if you found something that you thought was going to change your business, would that one pending hold you up? Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I joke and I say, I had, I believe 19, if not more pending when I moved from my brokerage to oh, wow. EXP. So I let them know it's like when you find something that you know is going to be beneficial for your life, you can't find the hangups. What we had to finally do is say, this is the day. There's going to be no perfect day. Like, what am I? Okay, what are we going to do here? I had to look at like our, my office and say, we, we have a few options. We time this out all perfectly, not going to happen. Or we just shut down right now at our old brokerage and say, let's let 60 days go by where we produce no money so that we can get to zero pendings and then we can make this cool switch. And I said, the only way you can actually level up in life and do greater things, it's usually backed by a little chaos. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I think I bought like 15 rental properties in 16 months in another state. And so when people ask, like they hear that story and like, oh, that's super cool. And I'm like, no, that's logistically behind the scenes, a lot of chaos. Switching brokerages. You know, there was actually like I'm truthful with people that there might be a little bit of chaos, but that's what's on the other side of something that's super cool. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't a little bit of chaos with switching over or a little bit of infrastructure that you got to figure out, like what would be great about that? Like everybody would do it. And so that's kind of what I would say for that for that question. Absolutely. And so, Chris, you know, um, to to really get it into their heads, you know, if they're nervous to make the jump what would you have to say to them just to finally like that last straw, right? Like, would it be, you know, focusing again on um, there's no perfect day or, you know, what, mm-hmm. what's your one piece of advice that they see the greener grass, they're right there, but they need just that one more little push. Opportunity mm-hmm. and sometimes hope. Meaning like if you, if something in you senses that like this is the direction you want to go, there will be no perfect timing. So I just let people know like what you want to do in life is you want to look for opportunity. You don't want to look for like behind the scenes perfection because a lot of times those don't go together. Like when there's opportunity to make more money in life, that usually like, are they 
are they are people just gonna mail us checks to wherever address we're at and there's like hey here's a 17 dollars check you did nothing no problems here it is no it's like usually on the other side like before you get to a check you have to deal with some challenges and we just do this enough where we've made the challenges more systematic right and so i would just tell them like hey there's opportunity over here and that's if, if that's what you were if you're looking at the opportunity and that's what you want in life then there's just going to be no perfect time to do it. You just have to decide finally, like I'm betting on myself and I'm doing it. And then kind of the parachute to it is I'll say a parachute is I always look at people and I'm like, you can go back, you know, like I've been, I think at seven or eight different brokerages in my career. And it's the same as like, if I was buying a house right now, like I look at it and I say, when I'm making this decision, like, is it logical now? Sure. Is it going to be something I want in nine years? I don't know. That's the cool part. I can, I can sell it. I can rent it. I can Airbnb right. it. Like there's all these options that come in life when you have something. So I think so letting them know, like, just because you've made a decision today mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there's no like exit strategy. I know that's kind of an odd conversation to have when you're telling somebody to come over, but I, you're kind of having to go through that with them as like, I mean, you're not coming over here and getting like a tattoo or anything. Like you're coming over here because you see opportunity. And if the opportunity is there that you really think there is, then cool. You're going to, you're going to soar and you're never going to look back. If you come over here and you're like, oh my gosh, I got sold a bill of goods. Well then there you are. Like, you know where your old home is like, go back. Um, Yeah. So I just kind of go from that perspective when someone's trying to make the move, but it's just, really with everybody anymore, just finding out what their limiting belief is. And I mm-hmm. went through that. So like when I switched, I had my own limiting beliefs. So I don't say mm-hmm. that I don't have them. I just had my own and they're unique to me. I find that most of the things that people are bringing up to you on why they won't move over, they're either limiting beliefs or they're just kind of excuses. That's not even like the root of it usually. Like that's that's the the talking piece that sounds simple to say that the other person will digest it. But there's usually like a lot more underneath that to the root of it that mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out in a way that you probably don't want to directly ask them maybe, but like you got to try to like dig deeper on like, is that really why they're not moving over or is there more to the story that I can try to solve? Right. And <laughs> you're not getting a tattoo or anything, guys. It's, no. it's It can be a temporary switch if you don't feel like it's right for you and, and it's not right for everybody. But if you're a self-starter looking to take your business to the next level, looking to get some incredible mentorship and invaluable um, endless hours of training, this is definitely the place to be. And if you guys have questions, re- reach out to Chris. He's only been here for eight months and he's iconned and he's a leader within the industry, top 2%. And that could be you too. Um, so ask your questions, do your research, you know, but um, no, like as Chris said, there's no perfect time, but it's also not a permanent decision. So weigh out your options, take a look at the model. And Chris, we are just over uh, 43 minutes here. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with as we wrap it up today? You know what? Just focus on profits. That would probably be, that's how I end up most things when people ask me that is focus on your profits as you grow your company. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something that I find that more and more people, they keep reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting back in their business. Yeah. And I sometimes would challenge people like try to reinvest outside of your business into other things that maybe one day you can wake up and say, I don't actually have to do this anymore. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I kind of want to be 45 one day and be able to do whatever I want to do and not what I'm told I have to do. Um, That would be my last advice for people is just try to figure out how to invest some money, live below your means and go that route. I love it. Great note to wrap up on guys. Make sure to check out uh, Chris's podcast, the agent Excel. 
It's Agent Excel. So it's Agent, the letter X, C-E-L. So Agent Excel, Chris Bowers. Yep. If you put that in podcast, Spotify, or anywhere else, you'll find it. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so, so much for your time today. And you'll be at EXPCon? I will. Yep. Awesome. I'm going to be at Build 22 on Monday in Texas. I'll be at EXPCon. And I was just at the shareholders like two months ago. So I'm all in. Well, I definitely plan on uh, catching you in Vegas, Chris. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. You have a wonderful Friday Eve and weekend, okay? Thank you. Bye. Bye. Icon Podcast is hosted and sponsored by Spear Rocket Virtual Assistants, a leading provider for your virtual assistants and outsourcing needs. Owned by one of the top-ranking EXP agents, Justin Nelson. Spear Rocket VA provides a one-stop virtual staffing solution for business owners, and we specialize in helping business owners grow their business by leveraging through virtual assistants. Trusted by the top names in the real estate industry like Kyle Whistle, Andrew Franklin, John Kitchens, and many more. Get ready to up your success and we'll help you achieve your business goals. Book your free consultation at SpearRocketVA.com and find out how we can make your life easier.